But I am grateful to be here and to be part of this event this weekend. Thank you, Reverend David, for having me. Thank you, Pastor Michelle. Um, I'm honored and I'm humbled. I know you all have great preaching and teaching here regularly, so um, I'm grateful to be here and I promise to try to match uh, the quality that you all get every week. I bring you greetings from New Community Covenant on the north side where I am the interim. Um, our Kids City Director is here with me today as well. So we are rep representing the north side and then last but not least, uh, just want to give a shout out to my amazing family who came today. Uh, we are West Siders, so traveling to the South Side. <laughs> I know. We fasted and prayed. <laughs> I'm just playing. Let me not get none started with y'all. I want my tires to be okay after service. Um, <laughs> I bet you'll think about before you invite me back again. I'm just kidding. Um, but a shout out to my family. We've been celebrating all weekend, actually. Um, my husband, Coley, pastor at Blue Oaks, back in the day, he just got promoted um, this weekend. So we have been partying. Um, so I'm grateful for my family uh, who is here today with me as well. Thank you for bearing with me as I did all of my shout outs and I believe I got everybody. And thank you, new community, for having me. I want us to go today to the book of Esther. You can pull out your gadgets, your Bibles, whatever you have, and <clears throat> just so you have an idea of kind of what you'll get today. I open up with the text. I pray, we dive into it, and uh, we pray again. Um, so Esther chapter 4, starting at verse 6, you'll find it in your programs as well. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. <clears throat> and we're kind of picking up right in the middle of a story. And it says, so Hathach went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. <clears throat> Mordecai gave Hathach a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called, called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathach to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He asked Hathach to direct her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people, verse 9. So Hathach returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathach to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king and is in a court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds, it, holds out his gold scepter. And the king does not call for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathach gave, so Hathach gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? 
Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all of the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or night. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much that you are a good father and you love to give good gifts. Thank you for the gift of this day, for it is the day that you have made. I pray that we would continue to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you that your spirit is already here. And we ask, God, that during this time, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you continue the work? Would you continue to change us, challenge us, draw us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And we all stay together. So we are going to talk about how the time is now. I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else throughout the message today, I want you to hear this. God can change things, and he can use you to do it. God can change things, and he can use you to do it. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes when we hear things like that, we can get nervous. Because you go, well, what if I'm on the fence? You know, I'm not sure about God using me. Perhaps you lack an eager spirit of service, right? You're, you're not what we see in Isaiah, perhaps, when um, God says, whom shall we send? Who shall go for us? Isaiah eagerly raises his hand. He says, here am I, send me. Perhaps we don't have that same sort of eagerness, right? This zeal, this eagerness can be absent from our lives for all sorts of reasons, right? Um, when I evaluate my own moments of reluctance, you know, I, I think about what often stops me from really surrendering myself to God to be used. I think the primary reason that always kind of comes to mind is fear. Fear. Fear that things in my world are going to change as I know it. Not necessarily fear of what I have to do, but fear that what I know is about to be changed. Fear that what I've enjoyed, <laughs> that somehow was going to shift. Fear that how I've lived my life is now going to be disrupted because I've raised my hand. We see this dilemma, this wrestling uh, here in this chapter with Esther. And though the book is named after her, most of the story up until this point is told about her and not from her. But this is where things begin to shift. Things begin to shift in this chapter. She kind of takes on that main character energy <laughs> starting in this chapter. We now hear from what has been this quiet, unassertive, and acquiescent character. We, we now start to hear from her, and I believe she would have remained this way, but something happened. There was a national crisis and our people had been sentenced to annihilation. And initially Esther notices and even reaches out about the pain. 
She sees what the folks are going through. She doesn't put herself part of it because she's in the palace. She sees what's happening. She notices it. She sees her people. She even sees her uncle and what he's experiencing. And she even speaks up. <laughs> she says, what can I do? Can I get you something? <laughs> how, how can I respond to your pain? And she sends him some regular clothes instead of the morning clothes he was wearing. Because Mordecai had begun to mourn what was happening in, in antiquity. When things were happening and you began to mourn, you, you changed your clothes. You wore sackcloth and ashes. And something about Mordecai's attire made Esther uncomfortable. So she sent him clothes because it was something about seeing him mourning and in pain that disquieted her. So she sent him some new clothes. She said, how can I get you to be silent? Because he was crying out. He was protesting. He was hurting. But she said, I, I need you to be quiet because my once protected and privileged place in the palace now is being disrupted. Now, now I'm uncomfortable. Your cries, your screams, and your protesting is making me uneasy. Oh, it's due to persecution, you say. You know what, don't worry about that persecution. Our government will take care of it. <laughs> if you just comply when you get pulled over, you should be fine. Persecution, you say, don't worry about it. We can rely on these elected officials that we have. We, we don't need to stand up and do anything about it as a church. We have people who purport the policies uh, that are supposed to protect us. Well, those policies actually begin to actively work towards work towards us being enslaved and more in bondage than what we initially imagined is not working towards people's freedom is actually oppressing it. <laughs> the ones who are willing to shape the policies and the dollars have elevated their agenda over the people's. And in the midst of it, they said, don't worry, we have your best in mind. <laughs> don't rock the boat. Take those BLM signs out of your yard, if you will. Oh, I mean, take off your sackcloth. Take off your sackcloth, remove the ashes, because really all lives matter. I know I haven't even really got started yet. Time, time, Esther is strange from her culture and her people. Essentially says, it's a pass for me. You know, um, a year or so ago, I read this book called The Vanishing Half. And it's the tale of two biracial sisters from the South. And one chooses to embrace the breath 
of the black experience to the extent of experiencing discrimination while the other chooses to pass as white, enjoying the privilege, comfort, and power that comes with her complexion. Great book, but you know what it reminded me of? Sometimes we as kingdom folks, we choose to pass. <laughs> we choose to pass, especially those of us who have the privilege of not being associated with the pain. But can I tell you this, passing is a pseudo experience in existence. It only temporarily pacifies, but eventually you'll find yourself at a crossroad and that crossroad uh, will be risk and ruin. Ugh. In verses 13 and 14, we just read Mordecai sent his reply to Esther and he told her, he said, don't you think for a moment that just because you're in the palace, uh, that you're going to escape the pain. That if you keep quiet at a time like this, trust that God is going to raise up deliverance and relief from another place. But who knows? Perhaps God is going to do something and use you to do it. Mordecai brings pressure <laughs> to Esther. Every now and again, you need somebody in your life that's going to bring pressure. Ah. Mordecai brings pressure and he's like, are you really refusing to speak up? <laughs> Are you really refusing to show up for your own people? We all need a Mordecai. Someone or something who will call us to the carpet. Someone who won't let us rest in the palace. Who will say, I know who you are. Now let me remind you whose you are. We need that Mordecai, someone who is willing to risk ruining relationship with us to see us do the right thing. Who's willing to make us uncomfortable because they know we've been created for more. Mordecai gives that to Esther. And right when she's at that crossroad deciding whether or not to risk or just give way to the ruin, she says, I'll take the risk. Esther shows up, y'all, in a way she didn't even know she could show up. <laughs> she shows up in a way she didn't even know she could show up. And I mean, this is a huge risk for her. This, this is no easy task. I mean, she's a young woman, right? So she's inexperienced. And as a matter of fact, she's a woman. So she's not even heard or given place <laughs> in environments like this to even speak. She has never had to lead before. She's never had to stand up for something before, but she's married, more or less to a crazy man who exiled his last wife, okay? So, I mean, she got some things to think about. <laughs> you know, 
I might be homeless after this. But it's from that place, even as she took all of that in account, I like what she does. She goes, I'll risk it all. Ah, I'll risk it all, but do this for me, Mordecai. See, because she knew it would take supernatural intervention. She said, do this for me. Would you fast and pray? Because the weightiness of the situation calls for next level breakthrough. Oh, my goodness. It calls us for something supernatural to have to take place. I need God to annihilate what's trying to annihilate me. Oh. <laughs> See, there will be times where we need an answer, where we need a word, and we're going to have to break from our normal everyday habits, right? We're going to have to set aside our pretty praise and worship, right? We're going to have to acknowledge the kind of breakthrough that we need might mean I got to turn over a plate. Oh. <laughs> I might have to deny myself some comfort of my flesh because I need a greater grace to walk in to do what I have to do. I might need to sit still and silent for a season, God, until you resolve what's happening in my life. I need to turn off my ringer, stop talking to everybody about everything until you give me your strength. Yeah, yeah. Esther says, will you fast with me? And just the observation, isn't it funny that the very customs and things that the Jewish people are criticized for, because Haman says, you know, these people, they're doing things that are strange. But it's that very thing that God is going to use, that very custom that God is going to use to deliver them. Because Haman has said their customs are, are different. But those customs are going to be the ones that God would elevate to save and deliver. Hear this. You are God's child. You belong to him. You don't have to conform to the ways of this world. You can be the change as much as I know that sounds very cliche, it is true. You can be the difference. And here's the caveat, only if you're willing to. Because sometimes we go, God, will you do it? See, without God, we cannot do it, but without us, God will not do it. Can I say that again? <laughs> without God, we can't, but without us, God won't. And many times we are sitting, waiting, God do it, and God says, I'm waiting on you. You can't do it without me, and I won't do it without you. Now is the time. Good. 
Let me read something to you very quickly from the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 25, and I'm just going to quick read five verses, six verses to you, starting at verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Church, can I say something? There is a clear problem in our country. When it comes to racism, when it comes to inequality, we can easily look over this past year and look and see the lost lives hear the mourning of mothers as they mourn for their lost sons. See, uh, before my family and I came here, we were in Minnesota, home of George Floyd and Dante Wright. My in-laws live literally two blocks over from where, from where Dante Wright was killed. One of the members of our church lived on the same block, literally across the street from the police station. And every day when I would drive that way, I had to be reminded of what happened. Because I had to drive down the same street where this young man began to call his mother and tell her what was happening. When this young man who was just living his life is killed in the middle of the street and a mother who was crying and mourning for it. See, I, when I drove, I had to see the blockades and the fences and, the, and, and all of the graffiti. And I had to remember, ah, come out of the palace. Come out of the palace. The palace isn't always about the color of your skin. Sometimes the palace is the place where you go uncomfortable. I drove down the street on purpose because I had to remind myself, come out of the palace. What do you need to do to remind you to come out of the palace? What do you need to do to purposely disquiet yourself in the midst of what we have going on in our world? Come out of the palace. Huh. Where do you need to drive? What do you need to watch? Who do you need to speak to? Whom do you need to speak to to come out of the palace? What clothes do you need to change? 
and come out of the palace? Will you be present or will you pass? Come out of the palace. Come out of the palace because brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God, we need you. <laughs> we need you to stand up, stand with, stand in, stand against, stand amongst those who have said, I'll go. I'll risk it all. As I'm landing the plane, I quick want to share an excerpt from Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell's book, David versus Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and The Art of Battling Giants. I don't know. Has anybody read that before? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My 12-year-old raised her hand. <laughs> she is educated, okay? <laughs> Y'all better ask somebody. We homeschool up in here, up in here. Let me stop because she is giving me the eye. We're going to have to talk about that after service, I'm guessing. <laughs> Come out of the palace, praise God. Um, but he tells a story of a small French town under German occupation in 1940. And this small French town took in Jewish immigrants seeking refuge from Nazi persecution. They escaped to this small town and eventually what was just kind of a few immigrants that, that trickle eventually turned into a poor as persecution against Jewish folks intensified. So one day an order was sent um, to institute uh, more anti-Semitic rhetoric throughout France, and eventually those charged with this order to do this arrived at this small French town. And they were greeted by a group of youth. Youth. See, it's never too early to start and have these dialogues, even with our children. But they arrive and they're greeted by this group of youth who carefully recited the words of a letter they had drafted. And that letter said, we believe in welcoming those fleeing persecution. So we feel obliged to tell you that there among us are a certain number of Jews. But we make no distinction between Jews and non-Jews, it is contrary to the gospel teaching. If our comrades, whose only fault is to be born into another religion, race, <laughs> receive the order to let them be deported or even examined, they would disobey. And we would try to hide them as best we could. And they stepped back and they said, we have Jews and you are not getting them. The time is now. <laughs> the time is now to raise up and to be bold and to speak truth to power. Come on, where are my Esthers at? 
the people who want to embody that spirit, those who are willing to risk and stand alongside of our black, indigenous, and other people of color as refuge is sought. Where are my allies, my white allies, my male allies, my allies who are currently resting in comfort of the palace? Where, where are you? Who are willing to say, I'm here for it. And I'm not doing it for the fame. I'm not doing it for the gram. You know, it's, I, you know usually my, my niece and nephew come to church, and when I say little things like not doing it for the gram, I look to them and say, is that what the young people say? Neither are here today, so I'm, I didn't check that out with them. But usually they look at me and go, oh, no. <laughs> so... They're not here today, so I'm going to say it again. Not doing it for the gram. <laughs> Let me just live that up for a second. I'm not doing it for the attention. I'm not doing it to say, just so I can say I'm part of the cause, but I'm doing it for the king. Because remember what we just read in Matthew, right? I'm doing it for the kingdom. I'm doing it for the savior. I'm doing it for the sake of the good news, I know I have some reluctant heroes and heroines in the space today, I get it. But hear this, God wants to use you. God wants to use us. God wants to make a difference in this world and use us to do it. So don't be afraid. <laughs> Use your place, use your privilege, use your power to make a difference. Because perhaps in the words of Mordecai, because perhaps you have been called for such a time as this. I want to pray over us. And if it's possible, um, I don't know where my brother is, if I get some background music. If, if we have somebody, oh, okay, my ally is coming up. <laughs> he, you saw how he just jumped up? He said, I'm ready. <laughs> I love it. But I want you to begin to think through. As you have had this experience this weekend, as you have heard today's message, in what ways... Is God calling you to find that street that you need to drive down? So that you remember who he has called you to be and what he has called you to do. If that's you this morning and you go, okay, I'm ready. I've been reluctant perhaps in some ways, but now I'm ready to be resilient. I'm ready to pivot to a place of risk for the sake of the kingdom. If that's you this morning, I, I just simply want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you could, if you feel comfortable, kind of extend your hands right in front of you 
and almost kind of hold them, cup them, like you're receiving something, like someone's about to pour into your hands. And the reason why I asked you to take on that posture is because I believe that as we pray, God pours. <laughs> as we pray, God pours. And so, Lord, we come to you and we want to thank you that you will help move us from our places of reluctance to places of resilience where we can recover all. And even though this prayer we pray, God, is impossible with man alone, we thank you that with you, nothing is impossible. Help us to see that the time is not coming, but the time is now. Right where we are, right where you have placed us in this community, in this church, in our homes, in our workplaces, the time is now. Help us to be the change we so desperately desire and want to see. It is in your name, Jesus, that we humbly ask and give thanks. Amen. You may lift your heads. Thank you.